friends, it has been more than a minute, like several months since I have posted a podcast here, but I didn't want to end the year feeling incomplete or leaving you hanging like, where'd she go? What happened to the Joe DeVoe show? Nothing. Nothing happened to it, literally, because I was busy happening to other things like keeping this 111-year-old roof over my head, taking care of the kid, and launching dun da 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 Story Plexus, the audacity to create a more meaningful life. And if you haven't been keeping up with me on social media or Patreon or reading my newsletters, you may not know that Story Plexus, my new online program, has launched and is still $50 off for the holidays. And if you are hearing this in time and you would like to take advantage of that sale, all you have to do is follow the link to Story Plexus where you can read all about it and then put this code in at checkout. Yule23, all lowercase, no spaces, Yule23. That will give you $50 off, which is a full third off the price. And hopefully that makes the program more accessible to you. And if you want to take advantage of the payment plan that I'm also offering, you can still get 30% off when you enter a different code, a slightly different code, which is Yule2023. There's a slight variation there. Yule23 to get $50 off or you will 2023 for 30% off the payment plan. I hope that's clear. Again, there will be links in my link tree, in my bios, on social media, on my website, in my newsletters, in the blog post that goes with this episode. And you can just click on that or you can Google Story Plexus. It's the one and only Story Plexus. There's nothing else like it. And there's a group of us who will be going through it together in the new year. I'm actually hosting a live meetup for us on Zoom to kick things off Saturday, January 6th. So join us if you want to. And if you're looking to head into 2024 with a greater sense of purpose and with a quirky but fascinating online program that will give you some fun new tools for navigating this thing called life, StoryPlexus might be just the thing for you. And I suppose I should also say welcome, welcome to episode number 33 of the Joe DeVoe Show. I'm your host, Joanna DeVoe, but you can call me Joe. And I am here to uplift and support my fellow creatives, lovable weirdos, and makers of magic. That's you! How have you all been? I hope 2023 treated you well and that you're looking forward to whatever the new year will bring. I am feeling cautious about it. Courageously cautious. That's what I'm going to call it, courageously cautious. And I should probably warn you now, if you are a person who is enjoying all the many technological advancements 
rapidly coming down the pipeline. If you are the kind of person who cannot wait to get the newest iPhone and to upgrade to the latest and greatest gadget the second it hits the market, if you are leaning in hard to AI and exploring all the cool new tools that keep rolling out and you are experiencing these advancements as super awesome gifts, this might not be the episode for you because I am somewhere on the other side of the spectrum in terms of embracing all that. Although I'm not totally pessimistic about it, like I said, I am feeling courageously cautious and I don't subscribe to the weirdly common belief that we are racing up on the end of human civilization. But I do think that it is changing and it's changing at a rate that is hard to keep up with and that it's heavily influencing human behavior, specifically the behavior of our fellow human beings in a way that can be stressful to deal with. In editing the ramble that is about to follow, I kept noticing myself using the word intense. And that's because I was trying to use neutral language. I was trying to be accurate, but keep it neutral. And intense feels accurate to the situation we find ourselves in now collectively, whether you're excited about it or afraid of it. And I'm speaking about how we all now seem to have one foot in the physical flesh and blood world we were born into, and then one foot in this fast-paced world of screens, customized algorithms, AI, and high-tech robotics. Energetically, it reminds me so much of the chariot card in tarot, which I bring up here from time to time because... The Chariot is a card I have worked closely with over the years, and the way I have come to see it actually speaks to this particular kind of intensity. So the idea with the Chariot is that as the Chariot of your own life, if you've got one horse running in this direction and another horse running in that direction, If they're running in opposite directions, they will tear you apart or you will just crash. You need all the horses of your internal drives and all the different parts of yourself moving in the same direction in order to actually get somewhere, hopefully in peace and with intention. To move with intention. That is how we want to head into a new year, don't we? With a clear and focused intention and not feeling pulled off course or overwhelmed by too many calls for our attention. Attention. Intention. Intense. The etymology of the word intense dates back to the 15th century and means stretched, strained, high-strung, tight, which makes sense, right? That's pretty much how the world feels today, stretched, strained, high-strung, tight. And it's not necessarily a bad thing, intensity, I mean. It can be exciting in a focused, 
anticipatory way, like with the bow and arrow, when you have taken aim at something and pulled the arrow back as far as it will go and you're holding it tightly, you've stretched it tight to create that maximum tension. It's that heightened, tightly wound moment just before you release your grip and hopefully hit your target. Intensity can be like that, right? So of course, it makes sense that intense and intention are etymologically related. And then the word intention is rooted in the 12th century and means similarly a stretching out, straining, exertion, effort. As a noun, it means to turn one's attention, which is pretty right on when you consider the task at hand as we transition and turn our attention from one year to the next. We are called now at the end of 2023 to turn our attention inward, stretching back and back and back into the tension of our heart's desire, getting clear on where we want to be headed in 2024, taking aim on that, and then getting very, very focused and intense before hopefully letting go and launching with real momentum into the next right thing. Ideally, that is how we would like it to go anyway, but it can be difficult to achieve that kind of positive tension, that kind of deliberate focus and aim when it feels like there are so many other compelling demands for our attention from other people and organizations using these new technologies to invade our mental space. They are living in our pockets now, in our laps, in our cars. And if we don't set some major boundaries, they will follow us around wherever we go with all their insistent reminders and invitations, their alerts and notifications, flashing in the corner, chiming, chirping, blinking, pinging, buzzing, hello. I don't think our brains and bodies are equipped to keep up with all this. Maybe yours is, but mine is not. And judging by the way so many people keep publicly lamenting the poor state of their mental health and venting about how supremely fucked we all are, it seems... Most brains and bodies are not equipped for this. We're not designed for this kind of constant stimulation and input. We are not meant to live in a state of perpetual tension. And so I wanted to speak to that and hopefully encourage you to take good care of yourself. I actually cut the following ramble down to about a third of what I recorded because I definitely overshot it and I didn't need to keep making the same point over and over and over again. It actually made me laugh to hear myself back and to realize how much this means to me. Talk about intense. (laughs) 
<laughs> I was trying so hard to convince you to take care of yourself for you. And then I realized for me, I would love it if we could each just chill out, stay in our own lane and make the effort to be more gentle with ourselves and each other. We can't control what is going on with the world at large, but we can be deliberate in how we manage our personal internal world and the effort we put into cultivating some kind of inner peace. The more of us doing that, the more peace there will be to go around for everyone. That's what I want. Peace. I want peace. And I have it actually most days and for the most part, I found my groove in 2020. As I have said many times, groovy was my word of the year for 2020. If you can believe that. What a year. <laughs> what a year for grooviness. It was so not a groovy year. I had to find my grooviness from within. And I am happy to say that... I did, and I have managed to continue in grooviness ever since. And the mission now is to actively maintain that. So before I unleash the following ramble, I wanted to mention a few specific tools that you might find helpful because coming up, you will hear me talk a lot about using your tools or busting out your magical bag of tricks without a lot of specificity about what that might be. So I wanted to get clear on that up front here. Meditation. Meditation is, in my opinion, the bedrock tool that will see you through just about any kind of chaotic thing. And fortunately, there are many different ways to meditate. So you can just choose the way that works best for you and practice that. I happen to be a fan of prayer and meditation together. And then, of course, there's chanting, breath work, EFT tapping, as well as any number of simple movements you can use to help regulate your nervous system. Do a search on YouTube, how to regulate your nervous system, and a lot of different interesting tools will come up. And if you haven't done so already, I highly recommend checking out Byron Katie's The Work which is free on the internet. Just Google Byron Katie's The Work, which is a classic at this point. It consists of four little questions that can go such a long way toward diffusing a pesky inner dialogue or extracting yourself from other people's shit. And they are so not complicated, these questions. All you have to do is ask is it true? When you're up in your head about something, when you're judging or arguing with someone in your mind, when you're perseverating on some icky sticky thought, just pause and ask yourself, is it true? Is this thought true? Can you absolutely know that it's true? That's question number two. Can you absolutely know that it's true? Question number three, how do you react when you believe that thought? 
And then finally, who would you be without that thought? I think this work is so effective because it brings you into the witness or the observer part of who you are outside the monkey mind. It allows you to step out of that stream of constant chatter to observe yourself and to gain some perspective and to create a bit of spaciousness that can offer insight, but also just be regulating in the moment. It can help create a sense of agency in regards to your own inner narrative. And of course, keeping a journal or notebook on hand is great for doing that kind of work whenever, whenever you need to. Critical thinking as well includes a whole host of tools that can come in handy, as does yoga or martial arts. And then there are those basic everyday things you can do to stay calm and healthy, like getting enough sleep, working out on a regular basis, and eating a proper diet. When shit gets complicated, I say go basic. Go basic. Be a basic witch. And whatever you normally do to take care of yourself, do more of that. Recommit and keep it as simple as you can. Okay? Okay. So here we go now into this pre-recorded, heavily edited ramble about intensity. And speaking of intensity, there will be much repetition interspersed with meandering. And I hope something said here speaks to you in a way that makes you feel a little more prepared and resolved to head into the new year with grounded determination, strong boundaries, patience, and a kick-ass sense of humor. I think one of the most valuable things that we can do for ourselves at the top of a year is get really clear and intentional about how we want to live. The winter is such a great time to reflect and do some integration work in terms of what happened in the previous year. And I feel like Samhain lends itself so well to at least the beginning of that kind of work. And as the days get shorter and the nights keep getting longer and it gets colder and the instinct is to physically retreat and to protect yourself from the elements, I think that is such an interesting metaphor for the kind of psycho-spiritual work that you can do at this time in terms of processing the year that you just experienced and then preparing for the year that you're about to experience. I think 2024 is going to be intense, and I'm thinking specifically of it being an election year here in the United States, but we have really become such a global community that I feel like this will actually reverberate around the world in many ways, especially on the internet. I think 2024 is going to be extremely challenging energetically and mentally. I think we're going to be seeing more 
of what has been stressing people out since about 2016. I know it started before then, but 2016 is when I noticed this trend really growing in strength and power of fear and anger and hatred and constant bombardment with messages about how awful everything is and how awful we are and how awful they are and whoever we are and whoever they are. There's something wrong with us. There's something wrong with them. We need to buy this thing to fix it. We need to go do this class. We need to sign up for this thing. We need to whatever. There's a lot of heavy, stressful, intense pressure. And not all of it is coming from a manipulative place. It's just that we're all on the internet from all over the world and everybody kind of has a microphone and people can be really intense. And so even outside various organizations that might have an agenda, somebody wants to sell something, somebody wants you to vote a certain way, there's just a lot of humans in your space all the time with their various quirks and problems and shadows and joys and celebrations all of it everything everywhere all at once I keep saying that such a good movie title but also so true about life and if you spend a lot of time online if you work online if you socialize online it is likely that 2024 is going to be at least as intense as the last handful of years since 2016, I would guess more because AI. Because AI has sort of hit this moment in time in its development where the creators of it are kind of like, wow, we don't really know what's going to happen from here. We have those utopian points of view. We have those doomsdayer points of view coming from the experts, coming from people who created this technology and work in that space. And so it's all just very intense. There's not a lot of middle ground in terms of messaging around AI right now, but the general consensus seems to be that it's about to go really, really fast in terms of its development, and soon we will not be able to tell the difference between truth and fiction. We already have such compelling deep fakes going on, so this is just going to be a shit show, I think. Let's just put it in plain language. Politically and creatively, there are a lot of creative people who are struggling with what's happening in AI and where it's headed in terms of struggling with it emotionally, having kind of an existential crisis in terms of what does this mean for me as a creative person and people who really value human-made creative work, visual art, music, movies, all of that, not just the people who create that, but the people who really value it. We're all having these conversations like, what does this mean? How do we proceed? And I think it means it's happening. I think the pace is going to accelerate at an exponential rate. And before we get a handle on it, I'm just going to assume that we're going to get a handle on it. It's probably going to be pretty chaotic at first. 
because the experts don't really know what they're doing as far as I can tell. They're not coming out with a, well, this is how we're going to do this and this is how we're going to do that. They're just now having conversations with our government about what to do about it. I'm glad they are, but I feel like 2024 is going to be a little bit like the wild, wild west in that sense. I could be wrong. I don't know. I'm for sure not a techie person. I've just been paying attention to this because I I am concerned as a creative person. And I'm also very sure that this is a fact. This is happening. Things are about to go fast. It is going to be harder to tell truth from fiction. And we each have to find a way to make peace with it. That is where I'm at with it. I'm like, okay, this is happening. The worst thing I could do right now is stay in ignorance, not know what it is, not know what the upsides are, what the potentials are. I think there could potentially be some really amazing benefits in terms of medicine and engineering, the kinds of machinery we have access to. And I have to make a concerted effort to focus on that stuff because because I find the potential negatives to be really frightening. And I mean that in the sense of how we might be influenced to treat each other, how our mental health might be impacted, our government, the future of human-made art, the future of our social lives and human interactions, the way our local communities might be impacted, so many different things. So I'm intentionally learning about it. A lot of what I read is just, I'm so out of my depth. It goes over my head. I'm like, ah, oh, tech speak. I don't know. <laughs> it's just not my wheelhouse. It's not how my mind works. But I've done my best to keep up with the news and Jaron Lanier, I really like listening to talk about these things because I saw him labeled as having a utopian perspective, and I don't really feel like that's true. Maybe, I don't know if he describes himself as having that, but he's a guy that is very well known in this space who has for sure an optimistic take, but not super. He's always quick to point out, you know, potential drawbacks or things that he thinks are negative or things that could go wrong or have gone wrong. He was one of the original people to bring the world virtual reality. So he's been in this space a long time and he has this very kind of measured, I find him comforting. When I listen to him, I'm like, okay, I feel more confident about moving into the future when I listen to him as opposed to some of the other people. Sometimes the people who have are really like, AI is the future, and they're so into it. It's almost got this religious fervor to it that freaks me out. <laughs> so whether they're super afraid of it or super excited about it, those extremes actually both make me uncomfortable. So I like someone who maybe, this is just who I am in general, I think. I like somebody who walks the middle path and has a more measured perspective and can see the light and dark both are present at the same time and can speak to that. I like that kind of voice as opposed to it's all good or it's all bad. I don't trust either of those messages because that just hasn't been true of my experience of life. So my point is, 
I stay hip to the news to the best of my ability, and I try to focus on the potential benefits to kind of balance out my tendency to want to go dark with it. And I mention that in the context of 2024, because as I just mentioned, here in the United States, we are having a presidential election. And I do think that AI is very much going to be a factor in that. In terms of shaping public opinion, I think that we're going to probably see some controversies around that and some deep fakes that are going to come out. I'm sure what I can imagine is very limited in respect to what the actual possibilities are, but I just feel like this super surge of progress that AI is supposedly going to be making in the very near future in 2024, 25, 26, 27, I think that combined with this really heated presidential race is a call to use all of your psycho-spiritual tools, everything you've got, every spiritual tool, every personal development tool, everything you have learned about regulating your nervous system, doing shadow work, identifying projections, practicing staying in the moment, meditation, deep journal practices, and whatever your personal relationship is to spirit, nurturing that, and making sure you're spending time doing things and with people and in environments that make you feel uplifted as opposed to drained and checking in with yourself to see how the things you do and the people you hang out with and your environment, how they affect you in terms of energy. And I don't like to use the word energy too much because I feel like it can kind of lose a practicality. But when I mean it, I mean you feel super charged up and anxious and you can't really concentrate or you feel like escaping all the time, like you're very wound up emotionally or intellectually, like spinning out in your head with a bunch of stories. Like to me, that's energy. Or do you feel really heavy and weighed down or quick to snap or feeling like you're gonna break or explode or fall apart at any minute. To me, those are more practical ways of talking about energy, the way that it manifests in your body, in your headspace, in your behavior. Checking in with that as a regular practice, I feel like these things are going to be really important. We know this stuff. We are the nerds who have been talking about this stuff for years and years and years. So before the year 2024 begins, I really wanted to be the cheerleader for that and say, yes, 2024, we have a couple of wars going on in the world that people are really upset about and divided over and lives are on the line. So it is urgent and important. So people are feeling that all around the world. And we have now the internet coming at us like left, right, and center, and everything is moving to digital. And we're checking out our own groceries and we're doing all our banking with like little plastic cards and punching buttons and looking at screen after screen. All of that stuff is just going to go faster. And then we have this election year. So why not start the year with the intention of pulling out your bag of magical tricks 
and being ready to employ them all year long. I'm a fan of going really, really simple. The more complicated shit gets, the more simple I get. (laughs) I'm just craving really basic, down-to-earth practices that keep me in progress, keep me keeping on without a lot of hoopla. (laughs) I just want to keep witching on the go, as I like to say. I've always talked about that, witching on the go, just all the little things that I do that kind of have a magical twist or component to them, but I do them in motion when I'm driving down the freeway or I'm making food or I'm taking a shower. It's just an approach to everyday living. So I'm thinking like simple, simple, simple stuff for offsetting whatever intensity or chaos 2024 may bring. We're all so different. So I can't tell you that what works for me will work for you, but I can share what works for me. And I can say that tends to be rooted in physical offline activities. For starters, reading a paperback book, listening to a vinyl record you know I'll listen to a record when I'm doing dishes it actually makes a really nice timer so instead of setting the timer on my phone sometimes I will just play like half a record you know before you have to flip the record over or if it's a big job that I'm doing if I'm really doing like a big declutter or there's a lot of cleanup to do in the kitchen maybe I'll listen to both sides and I'll listen to the whole record but I kind of use that as my timer because I'm a person who needs a timer. (laughs) My timers may be my most sacred spiritual tool because it's how I get myself to do things. I set the timer. If I'm going to do something that I really enjoy, that I might get lost in, that's just like a fun treat for me, but I have other responsibilities scheduled for that day, I'll set the timer and be like, okay, I'm just going to enjoy this for 20 minutes. And it allows me to be very free in that moment, knowing that I'm not going to lose track of time. And then on the flip side, I use it to do things I don't want to do, like work when I want to play, something like that. So I make little deals with myself, like I'll just work for 20 minutes and I'll set my timer for 20 minutes and it's magical because I know it is a finite period of time and I know the timer has my back. It's going to go off when that time is up. Again, it sets me free to be really present in the moment and do whatever that thing is I was resisting. And I resist all kinds of things that I actually enjoy. Once I'm in it, I'm enjoying it, you know, but I just resist it just because maybe like you would resist a workout. I actually just had this experience the other day. It was really, really cold in my house, like the kind of cold where your fingers are cold and you don't want to get out from under the blanket. So you sit a little bit too long. It was like that. And I had put a wall Pilates workout in my planner. I wrote it in ink into my agenda, which I don't usually do. I use something called the unschedule where I don't write something into my planner 
unless I've done it. So writing it in the planner then becomes a reward. It lights up that reward center in my brain. I feel so accomplished when I get to write something into my planner that I did. But on this particular day, because I had just paid a very small amount of money to test this app for 12 weeks that I was able to put on my laptop. It's a workout app and it's wall Pilates and I love it. I love Pilates. I love wall Pilates because it's very difficult if you're out of shape. Uh, it'll really get you in shape very quickly and it's funny, it's easy to do at home. If you have a wall, presumably you do. I actually don't have much wall space. I'm using a door that kind of wobbles when I work out against it, but whatever. It works well enough. And so I was really cold in the house and I had written in ink in my planner that I would do one of these exercises because I wanted to take advantage of this period of time before I cancel the app. Or maybe keep it going, I don't know. I'm enjoying it so far, but anyway. I had written it in ink, which to me is like, it might as well have been in blood. Like I take my planner very seriously. And so I was like, ah, okay, get up. I love Mel Robbins. Speaking of simple practices that you can rely on all year long, if shit starts to get out of control, Mel Robbins has great tips. And one of my favorites is launching yourself into the thing that you have resistance around just like a rocket launching yourself like five, four, three, two, one, go into whatever the thing is that you have some resistance around. It works like magic. It works so well. I've mentioned it so many times because it's ridiculous. She'll be the first person to say it is ridiculous. It's such a foolish sounding thing to talk about, but it works so well, at least on me. So I launched myself, five, four, three, two, one, onto my feet. And before you know it, I was up and doing the Pilates workout, which is very satisfying. It's on a little timer and it like, chick, 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 chick. Speaking of a timer, it gives you the amount of time that you must suffer. And somehow if you know, oh, the timer's going, it's almost over. It allows you to push that extra little bit. And I find these workouts to be hard, challenging. I do have a dance background, so it's not that the moves are challenging. It's just doing movements that I haven't done in a really long time, and especially against the wall. It has me shaken like jelly by the time the timer goes off, but I find I'm loving it so much. I'm having so much fun. I love moving in that way because I was a dancer for so long and I still dance every day just for my own pleasure because I enjoy it. So add that to my list of like analog human offline things that I do to stay groovy inside. I just found it interesting that I would resist that because I noticed how much fun I was having and how much I loved it. And then how high I felt afterward and not cold. No part of me was cold for a very, very long time afterward. And it was a much better choice to make than staying under the blanket with my hands being cold, being like, I don't wanna get up. <laughs> I was so glad I got up and I did the thing. It was so much fun. I felt so good after. So why? Why would anybody resist something that they actually enjoy and is good for them? 
Why ask why? Just accept it, okay? We're human. We're so weird. We do these weird things, but we can move through them. We can make good decisions, and it's really a matter of choice and practice, not beating up on yourself if you fail, have a mistake, have a setback, getting back on track as quickly as you can, noticing as soon as you're able when you're starting to go down a spiral or you're starting to spin out, like way too intense, way too stressed out, feeling overburdened, feeling like everybody wants something from you, feeling like you can never get enough done in the time that you have and feeling guilty about that, like you're doing something wrong, all those things. All those things that we say to ourselves if we're getting drugged down or we're getting overextended, the more quickly we can notice that we're having a reaction, that it's affecting our energy, it's affecting our perspective, it's affecting the way we treat the people around us, the way we treat ourselves, the sooner we can recognize that and then pull out our magical bag of tricks and use some basic psycho-spiritual tool that we know works for us, the more we practice that, the more quickly we are able to do it, and the more often we are able to stay in a place of inner peace, in a place of inner safety, with the feeling of agency and presence in the here and now, and able to erect and maintain healthy boundaries for ourselves by our own standards to meet our own unique needs, whatever they may be. I'm not saying go out and pick up a bunch of new psycho-spiritual tools. I'm saying think about the ones that you know work for you. Think about the ones that you've had a lot of good experience with and think about maybe making a little menu for yourself or a little key that you can refer to about what works when. If you're feeling anxious, what is the thing that you know for sure can speak to that? If you're feeling down, weighed down, heavy, hopeless, what is the thing that has helped you with that in the past? How does stress show up for you? What is your history with that? And then what historically has worked for you? What are your old favorite books on the subject? Who do you know that consistently makes you feel safe inside and fairly confident and at ease? Who makes you feel that way? Who makes you feel like they totally have your back and definitely believe in you? And if you don't have someone personally in your life like that, I hope you soon will, but also... Who are the authors, the speakers, the podcasters, and the video makers? Who are the people that maybe you don't know on a personal level that make you feel that way? Stable, steady, calm, capable, in gratitude. I suppose curation is what I'm talking about to some degree. And investing your energy and attention and things that will support you in navigating what could be a really turbulent year. And making sure that for you, it is a year well lived by your standards, whatever those are. Set the New Year's resolutions. Pick a word of the year like maybe you always would. That's what I love to do. Make a vision board. But also maybe I'm just suggesting 
have a plan and a strategy for how you're going to navigate things if it starts to get overly intense or draining at your workplace and your home, online, and stay mindful of the way fear is exploited to sell things, to get people's attention, and how your attention is a really hot commodity right now. And there are clever, well-trained people studying your behavior thanks to the magic of AI so that they know exactly what buttons to push. They, not even people, these are machines that are studying you and learning you when you're on the internet, but now also just more out and about in life through your car, through your phone, through your banking behavior, the concerts you go to, whatever it is, your attention is a hot commodity and your behavior is being studied such that they know what you want to buy. They know what you're on the cusp of buying. They know what kind of news story gets your attention and holds your attention and for how long. And on average, this is not a conspiracy theory. This is just what's happening. I think for the most part, it's just people trying to sell you shit or get you to vote a certain way. But there's an overwhelmingness to it because there are so many of them and fear is a primary sales tool. Every marketer learns how to exploit fear to find a pain point and exploit it and offer a solution. That is marketing 101 and marketing and propaganda basically work in the same way. Find what people are afraid of, find what pain they're having amplify that, and then say that you are the solution or your product is the solution. And it very well may be. Marketing is not bad. It's not good or bad. It's all in how you use it and to what end. And sometimes it's not that complicated at all. Sometimes it's just as simple as find what they're obsessed with, find what they can't resist, find what they have too much of and keep looking at and show them more of that, but bigger and newer and more expensive, but rare and special and for a limited time only. We know this. This is what they do. If it's not the fear button they're pushing, it's the this will make me special button or a sense of urgency. Even if we go in knowing that, it's amazing how hard it is to resist because it's so personalized. You're like, but, 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 but I love an A-frame cabin in the woods. How did they know? A-frame cabins in the woods are following me everywhere I go. And yes, I deserve a vacation. <laughs> you know, All this messaging is so customized now. And I feel like a good sense of humor is great. Not taking it personally, not getting really spun out on the bigger implications of that. And, you know, we're living in the matrix and all of that stuff. If that gets you freaked out, if you love it, knock yourself out. But if you happen to find it stressful in a doom scrolling, it's the end of the world kind of way, maybe don't go there. You know, don't go that deep with it. It's just super targeted marketing. It's just sales. And when you have your wits about you, you have the upper hand in that equation. When you know what's happening, when you acknowledge what's happening, like, oh, they're trying to sell me something. Okay, you can either stop and listen to the message and be like, yes, that is the solution I currently need. 
Or it might just be like a telemarketer that you hang up on and block from your phone. And I'm not even trying to go too deep down this rabbit hole. I am just saying, let's just be mindful. Let's be aware of it. Let's stay conscious. You may already be. And if you're not and you want to be, if you're willing to practice, you're going to be so good at it. Because it's a little bit like playing a video game. It's kind of fun on some level. Like some kind of digital self-defense. The martial arts of virtual reality. Whoopah! I'm not even kidding about that. But also, once you get into practicing, maintaining awareness, maintaining your consciousness in the face of the most seductive, compelling clickbait headlines, marketing and distractions, you start to realize that the person who has the most access to this hot commodity is you. It's your attention and you're putting your attention where you want it to go so you can live the kick-ass life of your dreams. As I used to always say, and I still very much think about all the time, how do we create the kick-ass life of our dreams when people with this super fancy technology and a whole bunch of ad money are coming after me 24-7 trying to get a piece of this attention. Everybody wants a piece of my attention and they're so seductive. Like, it's a superpower to be like, no, no, no. I'm going to spend the next two hours writing my next blog post. Ha! That's the new rebellion. That's the new revolution. Reclaiming your attention, using all your psycho-spiritual tools so that you're aware when someone's trying to sell you something or influence your behavior or opinion. You're aware when they're trying to exploit a pain point that you have or a fear that you have so they can hold your attention because attention is money, attention is power. There are a lot of very lovely influencers, for example, that make more money the longer they can hold your attention. That's what their sponsors are paying for and the platforms that host them. They want your attention, your attention being that hot commodity. The longer they can hold your attention, the more that they can get you binging their content, the more everybody wins. And I mean that sincerely. I mean that sincerely in many cases in terms of there are lovely influencers who are just really wonderful, creative people, and they're making things that we enjoy. We love it. That's a win-win situation, right? And it's not that they shouldn't make money. So it is win-win-win when sponsors come in that are appropriate for that audience and everybody is getting something out of it. However, these things can get out of hand pretty fast when they start to multiply because there's a lot of money to be made and there are many creative people in the world, many talented people that would love to make a living using their gifts and supporting you, inspiring you, entertaining you, but there's only so much you can hold. So at some point, you have to define how much that is, how much you are willing to invest in whatever it is you're doing online, on social media, content that you're consuming, the never-ending research that you love doing, playing games, arguing about politics, whatever it is that has its hooks in the reward system of your brain, 
creating boundaries around that for yourself and parameters. Otherwise, what ends up happening is what you are consuming starts consuming you, starts consuming your time, the literal days and minutes of your life. I think that having strategies in place, like making little deals with yourself, negotiating time with yourself, setting up rewards for yourself is an awesome way to participate in the world that we live in, but still stay on track with your own life and your own dreams. To go to bed at night feeling like you took the next right step in whatever direction you're headed and the whole day didn't get sucked up fulfilling other people's agendas. And if you work a nine to five job, I know a lot of people end up feeling that way, working a nine to five job, they kind of feel like, Maybe they're making someone else's dream happen if that job wasn't their dream and they're just in it to pay their bills. So a nine to five job like that, or maybe a stay at home parent who's dealing with multiple kids and running a household, you can feel like there are all these demands on your time and your attention. When you add the internet to it, it's like, holy Toledo. It's just more than I think it's fair to expect of ourselves and to have to constantly manage all of these demands on our time, even just shopping online, all the newsletters that you are subscribed to that you didn't want to be subscribed to, and now you have to unsubscribe to, and you need to leave a review. And if you don't leave a review, they're going to send you a reminder email because they want you to leave a review, but everybody wants you to leave a review, and everybody is signing you up for newsletters you didn't sign up for, and you have to approve these cookies, and are you going to sit there and take the time to read the fine print, or are you are just going to be like, fine, and approve all the cookies because every website you go to is asking you to approve the cookies we have to have strategies to protect our mental health and we have to be so stubborn about it and we have to be willing to be misunderstood which is something I know a little bit about because I've never used the internet on my phone or Never say never. I will use an app to get into an event to get into a concert and then I just remove it but I don't use Safari, I don't check my emails, I don't Google, I don't go to social media ever on my phone, ever, ever, ever. And not very many people have my phone number. I just use it to call my family mainly and a handful of friends that I like to talk to and I text, I take pictures and I use my GPS maps when I'm in my car. <laughs> and that's it, that's all I do and I know my days are numbered with this because there are just so many QR code moments that happen in my life where I have to ask for an option. Like a lot of restaurants now don't have menus. They're like, oh, just use the QR code with your phone. And I'm like, I don't want to. <laughs> Can I get a paper menu? And oftentimes they'll bring it out and it's outdated. They're like, that's our menu from last spring. Uh, you can have this, this, and this. It's funny. I am a very stubborn person this way. But I know once it's gone, it's gone. Like, this is where we're headed. So as much as I'm talking about wanting to embrace technology, I'm just sort of stubbornly sticking with this. And I use my laptop for my business and for my entertainment, for whatever I'm doing on the internet, I do it on my laptop. And I love it because... It feels like closing up shop and keying up for the night when I'm done and it's not following me around and buzzing in my pocket and 
chirping at me in the bathroom. <laughs> at any rate, my point is people don't like this. It frustrates them because they'll try to send me links and I'll be like, I told you I don't use the internet on my phone. And they'll be like, why? Emoji, 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 why? <laughs> I get it. Other people don't understand, but this is a boundary that feels so good to me. I don't want to be tempted to check Instagram when I'm waiting in line at the grocery store. I just want to be there with the people around me, in my environment, in my natural environment, using my senses and being aware of what's going on around me. I don't want to be staring at a little screen, even if it's, you know, a long, boring line. Especially when it's a long, boring line. That's when the temptation would most be there. And that's not a habit I want to make. So that's just one weird boundary I have that people push on all the time. But I am extremely stubborn. I just don't care. <laughs> I don't care. It's not like a super heated thing. They don't get mad at me about it. They're just like, but why? It's so easy. And I get that. I actually do because I know that on some level, in some ways, my holding the internet at arm's length days are numbered. I do understand that I will not be able to hold out for much longer. The internet is coming for me. <laughs> but I just enjoy being one of the last holdouts. It feels good to me and... I know that with every step forward, every time I have to integrate the internet more into my life to pay my bills, to get around, to run my business, whatever it turns out to be, I know that I'm going to go in with a plan in place, with a strategy and certain boundaries because I don't necessarily need to go faster or do more in a day. I don't want to develop a preference for convenience and end up over-digitizing my life to the point where I'm living up in my head all of the time, engaged with these algorithms and programs and machines that are designed to keep me mentally stimulated at all times and to hold my attention and influence my opinion and shape my behavior. And really just keep me on my toes all the time to where my poor little nervous system gets left behind. My body, my in-person relationships, my connection to nature, so much of my personal spiritual healing has come from learning how to get out of my head and come down into my body. So why would I want to go back up there when it only caused me problems in the past? It took a lot of effort to learn how to not live that way. And it's very important to me that I protect my ability to stay present through challenge and to function in alignment with nature's pace. So much growth and understanding comes from engaging with life in a 3D physical kind of way that I feel bypassing that for the sake of getting more shit done in a day or getting a hit of relief from your favorite instant distraction is going to come at a price to our well-being. It's almost like there's this collective disassociation going on and that we are encouraged to disassociate 
from our physical environments, from our bodies, from each other, in favor of existing in the mental realm and meeting only mind to mind, head to head. And that's so weird to me because some of us who have experienced trauma and learned to disassociate as a cope have spent a lot of time working on coming back down to the present and learning to engage with what is while feeling safe in our bodies. And it sometimes feels like where we're headed next is the opposite of that. I suspect I might actually be creating overwhelm by talking about the overwhelm, which is obviously not what I'm trying to do here, but painting this picture of even just a small percentage of all that is coming at us all the time, and just from my unique perspective, it is overwhelming. It's a mouthful to say, but that's kind of my point. That's what we are dealing with. That's what the people all around us are dealing with, and we have to deal with them, which brings me back around to my suggestion to put a plan in place in addition to setting whatever New Year resolutions or intentions. Maybe it's also wise to craft a strategy for dealing with overwhelm, for regulating your nervous system, for protecting your mental health. I love by the way, the conversation around regulating your nervous system, because mental health, it sounds like the experience of stress and overwhelm is all up in your head, and it's so not. It's down in your body. It's cellular, and it can really impact the health of your heart, your internal organs, your sense of peace, whatever tension you're holding in your body, the way you're treating the people around you. I also think it's interesting that so many of the collective phases that we've moved through in the last decade, the last decades of healing work, talking about trauma, being in the body, how to self-regulate, doing shadow work, learning how to exist within polarity, experiencing the benefits of daily meditation. I feel like All of this has prepared us for this moment. We have the tools we need. And if you feel like you're behind or you don't know some of the things that I've mentioned, it's all available. We've got the books and the videos and the podcasts and the articles. It's all just a click away on the internet, on the internet of all places. It's like the poison and the cure came up together, which is actually how it happens in nature. So that's interesting. And then for those of us who have been a part of this ongoing collective current, there's an ongoing conversation that happens. I'm talking about that. These psycho-spiritual topics and healing modalities trend, and sometimes they get made fun of for that, but I actually think it's really powerful that we all, we all, whoever is flowing with that current, we participate in this big group conversation and we hash it out and we argue about the details. We share information with each other, our successes, what worked, what didn't. And we've been doing this for such a long time on the internet specifically that I do feel like if we just 
recognize when we're being triggered, when we're feeling overwhelmed, whatever it is, if we can just pause and recognize that and create a little bit of space between that and our reaction, we can have the wherewithal to be like, oh my gosh, I know how to deal with this. I have the tools for this. I have the book. I've done the exercises. I did the retreat. I did the online course. Chances are you have. If you're the kind of person who listens to a podcast like this, you have probably done that work. You've probably encountered whatever challenges you're personally going to be coming up against in 2024. Thematically, you've likely already come up against those themes. And you probably already are familiar with useful tools and strategies for dealing with it. Because the ways in which you are triggered are typically patterns. These are patterns that are circling back around for you. So the things that might really push your buttons might not push mine. I have a history of looping around with one particular thing. So I have tools for dealing with that. Whereas you have issues with this other particular thing. And you hopefully have tools for dealing with that because you've circled back around on it a number of times. It's like when you keep getting into a relationship that's not good for you, but with different people, it's kind of the same relationship, but just with a different person. We tend to repeat those patterns and you finally maybe get out of that loop romantically and then you find yourself creating it in your friendships or in work situations. I think it's because we each have these signature patterns, these core issues that we're healing. They could be ancestral. They could just be something that you're working through from your early pre-verbal childhood years that just keeps coming back again and again and again. So you probably have some familiarity with what that is for you, the thing that you've been journaling about for years. And I'm not saying you're stuck with it forever. I'm saying We heal these things typically in a spiral. So every time it circles back around, you're stronger, you're better prepared, you have better tools. And I think for most of us, it's just this gradual maturing process and being like, okay, I know what this is. This is familiar to me. This reminds me of this thing that happened when I was seven and then again when I was 18 and then again when I was 24 and surprise, surprise, when I was 38 (laughs) You start to connect the dots. And so when I say make a strategy, when I say make a plan, I'm suggesting that you tap into that before you are triggered. Think back to the lockdowns of the pandemic, the uncertainty of the pandemic, the fear swirling around that experience and take note of whatever shadow complexes, unhealthy behaviors, toxic attachments got stirred up for you during that time. Recognize how you respond to that kind of fear and uncertainty and take note of the things that you want to avoid or better manage should those same buttons get pushed in 2024 during this election as we try to find some sort of ceasefire, a resolution to these wars, as we try to cope with whatever AI is about to bring, as we try to keep up with the pace of it. 
let part of your planning for the new year include getting clear on what your energetic limits are and dust off your old tools, the ones that you know work. Yeah, so I had to cut myself off there because I really did go on for about twice as long as what you just listened to. Clearly, I am passionate about this, about encouraging you to reclaim your attention, to move into the new year feeling courageously cautious, bust out your tools, bust out your bag of magical tricks, and hopefully... Create a 2024 that feels aligned with your soul, with your heart, with your mission, and feeling strong, like you can handle whatever is about to come next, and then next, and then next, and do whatever you got to do to be present for the next right step. Pray, meditate, do your yoga, do your spell work, hang out with people who feel supportive and healthy. Be a supportive person yourself. Be patient with other people. Understand that they're dealing with their own trauma and their own freaky coping mechanisms and therefore they may not be on their best behavior and you don't have to join them in that. I feel like grace is something that we can give ourselves and we can give each other. We don't have to wait for it to descend upon us from above. We can hold space for that. We can be the grace and the peace that we seek in the world. And if you would like a program to focus on as you head into the new year, if you would like to be in community with other people who enjoy doing psycho-spiritual work and who are coming to 2024 with intention, please do consider joining us for StoryPlexus, the audacity to create a more meaningful life. I will be talking about it more in the future, but right now it is still $50 off when you put the code in. Yule 23 at checkout, and we are doing that live meetup on January 6th. So I wanted to be sure to give you a heads up about that at the beginning and the end of this episode. I'm looking forward to coming back with new episodes for you. If you're not following me on Instagram, if you didn't hear my big exciting announcement video, however long ago, Apparently, my son is going to be going back to his pre-pandemic schedule, which means I will be going back to my pre-pandemic schedule, and I will finally be able to get back into some kind of rhythm with podcasting and making videos and newsletters and all that good stuff. I'm so excited about it. I know it will never be the same as it was pre-pandemic because life has changed, but to get that many hours back to myself to work on what I care about and to connect with you all on a more regular basis is so exciting to me. There may be some chaos as we work out the transportation details of getting him to and from his program, but it's going to be five days a week. That means I'm going to have five days a week to do whatever whatever I'm excited about in the moment. So I am looking forward to the new year. 
and I am moving into it with courageous caution. Look alive, friends. Look alive. And until we meet again, always remember, life is change. Change is magic. Magic is life. And the journey is the creation. Much love to you. Peace. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.